Hi folks, Jason Crane here reminding you about the 100 by 300 campaign. The idea is to get 100 members by the 300th show. Membership is easy. You can do it in one lump sum each year or month to month for as little as 10 bucks a month or $110 a year. If you choose one of the higher levels, particularly the $500 a year or $50 a month level, you'll be mentioned on every single show. You'll be an official sponsor of the Jazz Session. The 100 by 300 campaign, visit thejazzsession.com slash join to become a member today. Once again, that's thejazzsession.com slash join. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is available for free at thejazzsession.com. The archives uh, go back about four years, and there are hundreds of interviews to choose from, and they're all free, and they're all there. You can download them as MP3s. You can stream them right on the site, uh, whatever tickles your fancy. So please do go and visit. And, you know, while you're there, if you happen to uh, stray over to the membership section, that would be fantastic. You can become a member for as little as 10 bucks a month or $110 a year and on up to the top two levels, which are 50 bucks a month and $500 a year. And at either of those levels, you'd be mentioned as an official sponsor on every single show, which is kind of cool. Also, I've posted the first members-only content. Uh, there's a, an interview that uh, was not on the jazz session and uh, members have access to it. So if you would like to get access to that and there's a a bunch more where that came from, then uh, please do become a member and you'll get a password to the members only section of the site. My guest today is Ralph Bowen. He's got a new record out on Positone records called power play. And it begins with this tune, KD's blues.
My guest is saxophonist and composer Ralph Bowen. He's got a new record on Positone, his uh, third in as many years, if my math is right, uh, on this label, and it's called Power Play. Ralph, it's great to talk to you. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much. It's great to be on the show. Uh, this is uh, just another in a in a string, and obviously it, it dates uh, long before uh, these three records on on Positone in a, in a string of uh, just excellent uh, small group sessions that you've put together. And maybe we can just start by mentioning um, who's in this band with you, which is a, a different band than on uh, the the previous record, but includes at least one longtime collaborator. Sure. Yeah. Um, of course, Orrin Evans on piano. Um, I, it's been a couple decades since we've. We first met, um, and actually, likewise with uh, Kenny Davis on bass, uh, we went met back in the '80s um, during uh, a band called OTB, um, which was uh, a group that recorded for Blue Note Records. Um, and then uh, Donald Edwards on drums, and uh, I guess I've known Donald uh, about ten years or so. These uh, th- this record, uh, with the exception of of one tune, features original composition, and that's often uh, a hallmark of what you do as a as a recording artist. Can you talk a little bit about um, why you like to focus on your own writing? Oh, sure. Um, well, I think it's uh, commonly uh, uh, a common belief that you know we study um, all of the uh, show tunes and. Um, you know what we call jazz standards, as well as uh, other uh, compositions by jazz, jazz masters. You know, in terms of the tutelage, as we're learning how to be jazz players, um, uh, I also feel that uh, one of the outlets for defining or helping to define at least uh, one's personality is uh, a composition. Um, it's another way to, in a sense, set yourself uh, apart. Uh, from other artists, uh, not just through your interpretation of melodies or your improvisations, but also uh, through the vehicle you know by which you're expressing both of those uh, elements. So um, I've always felt that uh, original composition is an important and integral part of defining one one's uh, one's voice within the jazz idiom. So. Um, is that something you did or were encouraged to do uh, kind of from, uh, if not the earliest days, then certainly the, the beginning of your professional career? Uh, yeah, I guess, uh, I mean, in two different ways. One would be, yes, directly uh, through the study of composition. Um, but secondly, um, in sort of a more um, uh, secondhand manner, um, a lot of the studies that I did from an improvisational standpoint, were actually uh, via uh, composition. Um, in particular, I studied with David Baker uh, at Indiana University for a number of years, and um, uh, we studied 20th century composition, uh, serialism, um, uh, a lot of different techniques for the purpose of uh, expanding improvisational uh, technique and vocabulary, but uh, nevertheless, it was the study of composition, um, you know, from that vantage point. So uh, I guess it's it's only natural to then simply compose um, new compositions that, uh, in a sense, give you a vehicle to ex- explore the improvisational uh, techniques and, 
and theories that you're uh, interested in in working on. Um, you know, some it, it's often difficult with someone else's composition um, to get into some of the improvisational um, areas that you'd like to, to explore um, uh, because they may not be consistent with the, the composition. You know, they may actually be taking the composition a little bit too far from uh, its origin and, in a sense, almost compromising, you know, the, the composition. Um, so sometimes I think it's, if you write your own composition with with a particular vantage point, you're actually giving yourself uh, an improvisational vehicle um, right off the bat that you can jump right into and explore a specific color or rhythmic uh, idea or whatever the case may be. So to explore that idea about playing someone else's composition a little bit more, there is one mm-hmm. uh, tune on here, My One and Only Love, that obviously someone else wrote and has been recorded many times. When you find yourself in that setting where not only are you exploring someone else's writing, but you're exploring a, a tune that has been both played and improvised on by you know, many of the people we consider legends, how does that, mm-hmm. if it does, how does that change your approach uh, to kind of situating yourself inside that tune or what you might do improvisationally or in terms of an arrangement? Right. Um, well, one thing I've I've learned over the years is um, in order to make uh, someone else's composition, in that case, a, you know, a, a show standard, a, a, what we call a show tune, um, in order to make a, a personal imprint on it, um, you actually, I find you don't have to do all that much. Um, it, it's not like you have to uh, completely, uh, you know, do a, um, a transformer <laughs> version of the composition where it's completely on, uh, everything has changed, like an, an absolute reharmonization, or uh, it doesn't really take much. Um, and uh, I think uh, listening back to that version of it, um, uh, to my ears, just the uh, the coda that we uh, we put on the uh, the end of it. The uh, there's a couple of uh, chords 
that uh, are fermatas and um, a little bit different um, harmonically, major seven sharp fives, this type of thing, and just slight little uh, variations like that, I think, can help to put a personal imprint on the tune.
I want to uh, just talk for a little bit about Horace Silver in a few minutes, but um, mm-hmm. but I wanted to ask uh, a little bit about your writing process. Um, do you write on the saxophone, at the piano, in your head, some combination of those? Um, pretty much a combination, but I guess I'd, I'd have to say I'd probably favor uh, writing at the piano. Um, and uh, but sometimes it's uh, it's a hindrance um, in that uh, you know my digital technique on the keyboard is is uh, rather limited. So uh, to be able to articulate uh, a faster passage and so forth, I can't really realize that at the piano um, the way I'd like to. You know the way I would be hearing it. So sometimes I'll I'll use the saxophone. Um, or just simply sing uh, passages and then uh, record it and then slow it back down and in a sense kind of transcribe what I've, uh, you know, sung into the recorder. So, um, But I do like to use the piano because uh, uh, I, I really like getting into harmony um, and, I, and uh, exploring different ways of uh, negotiating cadences and this type of thing. So I find the piano to be interesting that way. I'll just note that there's a, an enormous snowplow going by the uh, studio window here, so if it sounds like uh, the jazz session is, is possibly being attacked at the moment, uh, that's the situation. I don't think we're being bombed by people who don't like jazz. Um, had any of the uh, the three people, Orrin Evans, Kenny Davis, and Donald Edwards, other than having each played with you, had any of them played with one another? Uh, yeah. Uh, actually, there's uh, um, a band that uh, Orrin... Donald and I um, have been uh, exploring. Orrin kind of started the whole thing with a band called Love Park, and that uh, started about 10 years ago, I guess. And um, so we played together there. Um, and I know Orrin and Donald play quite a bit together with Domingus uh, Big Band and various uh, configurations of, of Mingus bands. Um, now, Kenny, I'm not sure before uh, I started putting this group together, whether Kenny and Donald had worked together or not before. I'm not too sure about that. So um, so when it was time for you to put this group together, how did you decide, I mean, obviously you have a pretty large roster of people with whom you've played that you can draw on. How did you decide, okay, it's going to be these these three people? Um, well, a lot of it has to do with um, musicians that I feel feel uh, really comfortable with. I mean, these are people I've known for a long time. We're, we're good friends. Um, uh, there's a certain level of familiarity that is already established, which um, when you're able to capitalize on that, I think that's really important, um, especially in a recording session situation. Um, you can kind of get right to the nitty-gritty. Uh, and uh, there's certain vocabulary that I think that we're familiar with, um, being that we've played together for so long. Um, so I think that's a big part of it. It's, it, it's just great to play with people that, um, you like the way they play musically and, and even more importantly, sometimes you really just love hanging around with them and, and, uh, that's a big part of it. So. And when that's the case, when you've got that level of comfort, um, with the musicians in your band, how does that impact the the studio session where you do the actual recording? Yeah, um, 
it actually it does impact it because um, and uh, I personally speaking, and I, I hope I'm sure there's people that that don't uh, that aren't in this mindset um, when they go in the studio, and I hope that uh, perhaps one day I can get to that level. But I there's certain there's still a certain level of um, uh, artificial um, an artificial feeling for me when I go into the studio. I find it. Um, I have to really kind of work around that um, staged environment, if you will. Um, I feel much more at home in a live situation in the club, um, on the concert hall stage, whatever the case is. Um, so being that that's going to be the case for me right away, um, it certainly is a plus to uh, uh, be recording with people that um, you just really familiar with, really comfortable with, and as soon as you start playing the music, you can get right to the music and you, that's in your head and sort of overcome the uh, the headphones and the, um, you know, take ones and all, all of that that goes along with the recording in the studio. mentioned uh, a few minutes ago your uh, work with Horace Silver, which I think is how I first became familiar with you on, um, I hope I don't get the name wrong, but was it the album called something like Rockin' with Rachmaninoff? Was that one of the yeah. records? Yeah, that's right. right. Yep, so I, I definitely remember that one, and uh, and the cover with kind of a, I think, a, like a painting of a piano. And, um, sure. Can you talk, did that come out of the, the OTB experience? How did you hook up with Horace Silver? Actually, it did. Um, it was directly connected because um, the manager for OTB was also um, Horace's manager at the time, uh, and uh, which really just facilitated my getting an audition with Horace. Um, and uh, and I'm sorry to interrupt you. I should just have said it. We're talking like the mid '90s now. Is that right? Uh, Late 80s, Late 80s, early okay. 90s, okay, yeah, great. around 89 through 92 was with uh, three years when I was with Horace. So, um, yeah, so he had auditions in New York, and uh, I was one of uh, a few tenor players who went down and played, and and happily I was offered the uh, the chair in 
singing with uh, Horace, and um, I'd say 90% of the compositions had lyrics or a few things that uh, were just the quintet instrumentally. And then uh, the third year I was with them, uh, Andy had made a move to go out on his own, and uh, so we actually played that year with the classic uh, quintet uh, trumpet tenor. So it was fantastic. Who else was on the band at that time, in that uh, that year? Um, well, it, it, all three years, or, the, or just the last year, uh, you mean? Um, uh, yeah, I guess that in that quintet year. The quintet year, yeah. Um, Mike Mossman was playing trumpet, and uh, James Genus on bass, and um, Billy Drummond was playing drums. So that's not bad. Not bad at all, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, I mean, you're you're kind of just at the, you know, that in that generation where it, it was still possible to do that kind of thing, you know, to get an audition with Horace Silver and to go out on the road um, for a few years was with someone like that. Was were the was the rest of your career after that, or what happened immediately after that, uh, changed in any substantial way by the fact that you'd had those three years with Horace Silver? Um. Changed by it. Uh, well, I, I mean, personally, of course, I, I certainly learned a lot. Um, so musically, I, I feel I, I uh, definitely uh, grew a lot during that time. Um, it was great to play with uh, a master musician, both composer and performer, who's so like such a clearly defined uh, style, both compositionally and and solo-wise, um, and actually comping-wise as well. I mean, it really helped me to develop an appreciation for why, um, in particular, Horace's music sounds the way it does. It's, it's not by happenstance. Um, there's, uh, it's very specific in terms of how he constructs his, uh, his comping, how he develops comping from the beginning to the end of a solo, um, and uh, the colors that he uses and uh, the sort of formulaic approaches that he has to uh, his arranging and, and composing. It, it's, uh, it's Oddly enough, I mean, looking, looking back and even at the present, I mean, most of the leaders I've uh, performed and recorded with, oddly enough, are pianists. Um, I don't know why that's the case, but uh, one... One reason why I think that might be the case is that because the piano has um, such a it it can so easily define the sound of an ensemble, not just the composition, but the entire ensemble can be defined by the pianist. Um, there's so much control that the pianist, and I mean that in a positive way, that um, you know the pianist can affect uh, music from beginning to end. By, uh, through harmony, through uh, through the rhythm, um, and of course through composition as well. But uh, it's odd that I've worked with so many pianists, um, Orrin Evans included. And Michelle Camilo was another, right? Michelle Camilo, uh, Jim Beard is another. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm still working with Michelle. Um, we've been doing uh, uh, stuff with the big band lately, and. So we've got some stuff coming up this year again with Big Band, so that's really exciting.
I think, uh, as I said, the first place I knew about you was um, through Horace and then um, some of your work with Michelle and then some of your solo work. And then one of the one of the places where uh, I think I really paid the most attention to you as a player was on Oren's album, Meant to Shine, which was really the first, the first time that I was, I think, kind of stopped in my tracks and said, well, this is someone I need to know uh, more about. Can you talk a little bit about your relationship with, with Oren and what makes you guys a good fit? Yeah, actually, um, I first met Oren at Rutgers. I um, the first year I was I was hired uh, to teach the uh, theory class, um, which I'm still teaching. Um, uh, Oren was actually in my class, and uh, so I met him oddly enough as a as a student of mine, and uh, um, we just started playing together. Uh, he's he's a very uh, uh, well, there's a lot of really good qualities he has. One of them is determination, and he's a real go-getter. Um, and uh, he's not, as, as a musician, he's not afraid to go outside the box. Um, and uh, But he's he's just always been a real go-getter. And um, at that time, as young as he was, he had some, uh, uh, he was a, a big part of the Philadelphia scene. He had um, a house gig um, at a club there. Uh, which was called Blue Moon at the time. And um, so he was really beating the pavement, trying to get things happening. And, and so he started hiring me to play in his band. And um, it's been, uh, we've been working together ever since, either me with his band or, uh, you know, vice versa. This uh, this show, uh, oh, and I'll just mention to the listeners that Oren Evans has been on the show too, so folks can go to the archives at thejazzsession.com and check that out. Uh, this show, if people are listening to it in uh, more or less real time, will be on February 21st. Uh, are there some upcoming events you'd like to mention, Ralph? Oh, sure. Um, February 24th, um, is, uh, I'll be performing at a local venue in New Jersey uh, called Makeda. That's a Thursday night. And um, from that point on, as far as CD-related uh, events. Uh, I'm looking more into the summer as far as getting some things going. Um, I've got a date in, uh, in July uh, at the Smalls, and I'm working on some other venues in New York uh, during that time as well. And what town is that gig in on the 24th? Can you... Oh, yeah, that's in New Brunswick, New Great. Jersey. Fantastic. Uh, and folks yeah. can check the uh, show notes at thejazzsession.com, and there'll be a link to to uh, Ralph's website so you can keep updated on his performances. Well, I've really, uh, as I said, enjoyed listening to you over the years. It's been, uh, I don't know, I guess coming up on 20 years now since I first heard you play, and it's uh, it's great to hear this new record and a lot of fun to talk to you. Uh, my guest is Ralph Bowen. He's got a new album on uh, Positone called Power Play, and uh, Ralph, it's been great to have you on the show. Thanks very much for being here. Thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. 
That's music from Ralph Bowen and his new CD, Power Play, on Positone Records. I'm Jason Crane, and you are listening to The Jazz Session, presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Visit thejazzsession.com for all of the previous episodes. They're free, they are streamable or downloadable, and uh, you can take the MP3s with you if you prefer. You can also subscribe to the show on iTunes or using an RSS reader, and there are links to do both of those things at thejazzsession.com. Please do become a member. I really need your support to keep the show going, and I hope uh, that you can find it somewhere in your heart and wallet to kick in uh, as little as 10 bucks a month, as much as 50 bucks a month. Or, you know, a million dollars. I would take that, too. My thanks to the Respect Sextet for the theme music to this show. They're online at respectsextet.com. Thanks also to Dave Rabel, who designed the show's logo and who tweets very funnily at twitter.com slash Dave Vrabel, V-R-A-B-E-L. Get out there and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, okay? And then come back here next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session. Bye. Bye. Bye.